Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Now, if you're getting into the real estate game, chances are you started small, right? That's, that's what everybody tells you to do, start small. Unless you're GC. Well, GC... G- once his number now, it's got to be like two hundred million or, or or more, or yeah. you're just a huge pussy. Well, he he. What I find funny about him is he started small. He started with single families. He yeah, just he doesn't like to talk about it. But <laughs> but like I think it's actually very smart to start small, not necessarily with single families, but starting with like a duplex, triplex, quad. That's what I did. You started with six, like smallish. But um, I think a lot of listeners are probably at that point where maybe they did a single family, they did a duplex. And now they're thinking, I want to jump. I want to make that jump to multifamily. Which is why you're listening to multifamily investing made simple. But you don't know what to expect. Mm. Right? Like as you move from the single world to the 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 multimingle world. Hmm. Where is this like a, a dating app? Yeah, you have to leave your, your keys in the fishbowl um, <laughs> at the closing table. And it gets okay. crazy, it gets buck wild. In there. Which which title company is this you go to? I don't want to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Wait, we use we like to use land title. Great people. Shout out. They give you tiny walls. Larry Mountain. Yeah, we did a lot of signing there. But anyways, <laughs> what we're gonna do in this episode is just break down for you if you're trying to make that transition from the smaller assets, a duplex, single family, triplex, whatever, up to commercial. Like you're like, I want to get a five unit, I want to get ten unit, fifty unit. Um, here are three things that you should be aware that are different. Yeah, there's only three differences. Only three surprisingly. Things. Yeah, I we sat here and racked more. our brains for like 20 minutes. We Came struggled. Up with three things. <laughs> so these must be the only three things. Or we, we know everything. And this we is are, it. Could be. So. Could be that we know everything. Or maybe we do not. We know nothing. <laughs> but we can tell you the three things we do know. Here so we go. Yep. Let's do it. Kick it off. What do you got? Number one, in a very specific order this time. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no, not, no particular order. <laughs> Um, I think I'm going to start with this one just because I think this actually probably is, uh, one of the, the most important ones. Um, and this was your idea, uh, the, the management systems that you need to effectively execute the operations of a multi-unit building versus a single family house with one resident, you know, there's just a lot more moving pieces, more of everything, more work orders, more leases, more people, mm-hmm. Everything yeah. across the board. It's like if you you could get by on a single family or even a triplex with really just a notebook and kind of track everything in there, and you, you could get by fairly. I know people that do not have any systems, but yeah. as soon as you start getting, I would say, once you have more units and you have fingers on one hand, you need to have a system in place because you're going to quickly drop balls. Whether that's you know like CRPs at the at the beginning of the year, or mm-hmm. that's you know maintenance requests, or just figuring out like. Hey, who's who? Who put what security deposit into what? When? Right? Yeah. Like, even that can be confusing if you don't have a system for it. CRP is a is a good one because I remember year one for me, it was it was one six unit, mm-hmm. um, pretty manageable. Um, so my first go around with those was 
not a big deal. I had to go back and like collect a bunch of data because I wasn't keeping track of you know who paid what for what periods of mm -hmm. the movements and whatnot. But then the next year, I want to say it was like thirty to forty units or something I had across four buildings, and it was infinitely more complex. Suddenly a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah. that can get out of hand real quick. So yeah. that's a good one. And for for listeners who don't know what CRP is, that's just certificate of rent paid. Yeah. And that's one that you don't hear a lot about um, until January rolls around. And then suddenly, somehow, hopefully, somebody tells you. One oh, of your residents is going to ask you where it is. And you're like, what's that? You're like, let me Google what yeah. that is real quick. <laughs> and so Google will help you. When it's you not scramble. super hard, but it is something that you have to do. And it's just one of those things that, like, if you don't have a system for it, yeah. it becomes a nightmare. And that's that's kind of the, the, the MO of all multifamily. One building, one 10 unit, not a problem. Three 10 units, five buildings, it becomes very complicated very quickly as you're like, which address was that again? Like, yeah. hopefully you get to the point where your portfolio is big enough where you start to forget the, the addresses of the buildings that you have. But that will that will happen very quickly at some point. So having a system seriously helps. Yeah, 100%. Uh, next one on here is debt. Now, this one's got a few different components to it. Um, first thing I thought of in this regard, that's different from a single family to a larger multifamily. And I hear this from a lot of newer investors who are looking to get into the spaces. You're not going to get into a multifamily property with 5% down or 10% down. You could do that when you buy a house. Um, but you're going to be putting down, you know, a couple of years ago when rates were lower, you could probably get away with 20% on the low end, but these days at least 25% down yeah. just to get in there. And there's a few other debt components. And, and that's a big number. It is. That's, that's a big that, number. That shocks people. They're coming totally. in big at all, put five to 10% down, say, no, 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 double that. So if you're buying like a, you know, a 10 unit for a million dollars, you're coming to the table just with 250 right there. And that's not even all the other things that you need on top of that for yeah, and that CapEx. Yeah, zero dollars to do anything. So. Yeah, yeah. So that, that really <laughs> throws people. The other part of that is we've talked about the difference between a residential and a commercial loan where, you know, the residential is going to be underwritten based off of your finances. The commercial is going to be off the finances of the building. So that's a really nice thing that makes it easier in a lot of ways. Um, and on that note too, that, that is true. However, when it is your first deal, the bank is going to look at your personal situation a little bit more than they might uh, to somebody like us who's got you know a track record of operations. So don't get too excited for that first deal. The bank is probably going to be looking at you pretty hard. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, this asset technically works, but you don't have much experience. So can you afford this thing? Good luck. Yeah. The, uh, the other side, of the, in, on the commercial side, there's so many new terms like prepayment penalty, interest only period. Like these are things that never come up probably on a primary residence. And then things like the, the amortization period being uh, different than the term, right? Like that one can really throw people. I remember that one kind of threw me off yeah. when I first started being like on a, on a single family home or a duplex, the amortization period, let's say is 30 years. Usually the term is, it matches that. So it's also 30 years. And usually you have a choice. Like do I want to do the 15 year term or the 30 year term? Right, like yeah. those are your two choices, but and then that's when you not get really. To the end, it's all you're done. It's you're done. over. There's no balloon payment. Yeah, but larger multifamily, you might have a 25 or 30 year amortization, so your payments, your monthly payments, reflect a 25 to 30 year loan. But then somewhere, maybe your three, five, seven, ten, the whole balance is due. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, that that's a new concept for people coming from sim single family for sure. That'll throw you off. All right, what's our last one? Uh, uh, the brokers. Oh, the brokers. Yeah, yeah. this is a quick and easy one. Yeah. In, in the single family world, you probably go get your best friend who's a broker or everybody's got a real estate license, right? He then gets you on the MLS. And then when you go look at properties, there's a broker on the seller side as well. And the two brokers kind of negotiate for you. 
Well, that is not how multifamily works. You do not have your own broker. The seller does not have their own broker. There's usually just one broker on the deal. They tend to um, represent the seller and they do the negotiating for both halves, sort of. It's very awkward. They work for the seller. They work for the seller. Yeah, so, But you, you will have no advantage by bringing your own broker to the table. You will only make yourself look like a newbie and you will make it very hard for anybody to want to give you the deal because nobody wants to split their brokerage fee with your broker. Yeah, that's that's the big part is it it's not only going to make you look like a newbie like Anthony just said the listing agent is expecting to make his commission and when you show up with a broker he sees his paycheck getting cut in half. So he is has no he incentive. He doesn't like seeing no, that other guy. He doesn't guy. like you. He doesn't <laughs> like your broker. Don't do it. Yeah. And and asking him, "Hey, will he split his fee with your guy?" like not a good question to ask. No. So just don't even do it. Just don't go get your own broker. Don't sign any exclusivity agreements. That, that That's also not a thing in the space. So It could be. I've been asked. Don't sign it. It, should, it doesn't need to be, though. Yeah. It's very common in single family for residential, you know, a first-time home buyer just looking for, like, a residence to live in. Yeah. Like, I get why people might do that. But if you're an investor, you are severely limiting yourself if you sign that because then you can only do a deal that that one guy shows you. Yep. No, don't do, don't do it. So those are the only three differences between That's single it. family, multifamily. You get your head wrapped around these. You're good to go. Go ahead and make the leap whenever you're ready. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.